Let me ask you a question. Are you managing your financials properly this summer? Well, if you're not, or if you want to make sure you are, you're going to learn how to do that on today's show. Today, we're going to continue our Seizing the Summer series with Mr. Gary Ellick, smartest guy in the business, as far as I know. He's going to talk about your financial management, specifically on how to make sure you're doing it right in the summertime season. Hi, welcome back to Contract University. I'm Gary Ellix, and today we're going to talk about the development of the financial statements and how we're going to manage the summer, uh, hopefully the fantastic summer that we're all having, with respect to KPIs and how we actually look at the segmentation of the income statement and the KPIs, the key performance indicators, and just organizing uh, the principles of how we optimize our profitability and really generate as much cash flow as possible during this peak period. Uh, so depending on where you are in the country, what region you're in, uh, your needs uh, might be a little different relative to just looking at the financial statement. So what's important to recognize is, you know, you can't really change the fixed overhead relationship in your financial statement. If you've signed an agreement for a lease and you're going to pay $10,000 a month on a lease or $5,000, you know, uh, for your trucks, you can't just change that number. Uh, you can certainly negotiate having come through COVID, which we did in certain instances. But the reality is, is that you, you owe what you owe. So eventually you're going to have to pay off those costs. Those fixed costs don't go away. So when we don't create a sale and we don't create those gross profit dollars, we're basically digging a hole because our overhead exists. So we want to produce the maximum amount of cash flow and optimize through the season. So I thought it would be great if we went through a refresher discussion uh, on the EGI platform under Section 4, uh, Financial Management and Budgeting, we've got a great deal of content on how to create the budget, how to create the structure. Uh, but I thought it would be useful for us to go back into the discussion and maybe take 25, 30 minutes, uh, review the income statement, review the accounts that you need to make sure that you have in place, review the KPIs, and really just talk through how that relates to the operations side of the business. Remember, the primary thing that financial statements do is they give us the insights, they give us information to make informed decisions. So we're able to look at things that are analytical, not just intuition, not just emotion. So listen, 50% of the business is emotion and intuition, and that counts for something. And 50% really is analytics. When you pair those two things together, uh, your judgments, your, dis your decisions, your discernment, uh, and frankly, the managers that you would have inside of a business that's medium size or scaled, it just improves because everybody is speaking a common language. So I wanted to just make sure we reviewed that. So we tighten up the, uh, the processes as we go into the summertime, uh, get organized and, uh, and, and knock it out of the park. I mean, that's really the goal. I think you can have an outstanding financial year. Uh, it doesn't have to be a negative year, even though we had some negative consequences and events. So with that, Let's go back into the studio where the whiteboard is. We'll go through some discussions on the chart of accounts, where we're at, the segmentation ideas, and we'll talk about some of the ideas on how we can be better operators. All right, back in the whiteboard studio. So uh, this is a construct of an income statement. Uh, so we're looking at basically the chart of accounts down here on the left-hand side. Uh, I've laid in some fake departments for you. Uh, you'll notice there's no numbers in there. It's already a little bit tiny probably looks a little bit complicated on the screen, uh, but I think when we dissect this and we go through it individually, uh, this will bring back clarity for those of you that have watched some of the content or videos. Some of you might be somewhat departmentalized, uh, so we can be broken down in this area of cost of goods sold to the gross profit line, but not in the overhead. 
So we'll talk through some of those discussion points about segmentation, and then I really want to bring you into the discussion about sort of the core of what we, why, why do we care? Why do we want to go through the headache of setting up the accounting system and the financial system to be able to break down the segments? I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, those of you that have done it know that it's kind of a painful process for a lot of changes that occur inside of the business. But at the end of the day, what it gives you is it gives you accurate, quality data that you can then be make insightful decisions. And so the analytics that we're looking for are really key. And that's what the KPIs are. The KPIs by segment are specific numbers that we know prove that we will produce a profit through the company's business model. So if you think about that, McDonald's knows what it costs to produce a hamburger. They know how to price it and they can manage their business properly. They can go anywhere in the world and basically organize themselves and produce cash flow and produce profit. They can be successful because they have a formula. They have that recipe. So what I want you to understand is KPIs are part of the recipe. By department, the KPIs are going to differ. But at the end of the day, knowing what the financials tell you, that's how we have the ability to compare against the KPIs. So hey, if you're doing great, you know that's fantastic. You probably already know your company's producing good cash flow. But if we got areas where we're not doing great, if we didn't have departments separated, uh, we would be bundling all that together. So we wouldn't have the separation of the recipe. We wouldn't know we were doing, you know, uh, had too much labor in one given area and that was impacting our ability to optimize. So again, recognize you don't have to have departmentalization to be successful. The point of departmentalization, the point of having KPIs is so that you can optimize your success. We're looking to produce that 20% cash flow and EBIT, and the, and the basis of that is to be able to look analytically, you know, without emotion, without anybody's uh, opinion about what they think, really the data, the facts, are telling you this is what's happening. This is how we're operating. So it's a pretty simple idea, but it's pretty hard to put in place. So let's go through some discussion points. First off, gross revenue is at the top. Uh, we might have some discounts, credits, uh, coupons, things like that. So there'll be a, a line item there in your income statement that will say, I gave a, you know, a $25 coupon, so the revenue, you know, the bill was $100, but I gave $25 off, so I'm collecting $75. That's gonna be your net revenue or net sales. So the total of the company could be you know, um, $110, we gave $10 away, and so your net sales might be 100 bucks. Pretty simple math, keeps everything smooth. The blue area and the purple area are what we call the cost of goods sold. So you'll notice this is a style of an account. Account one are your revenue accounts. In accounting, the second type of an account is what we call an expense account. And there are two different kinds of expenses. This is cost of goods sold, and this is the second type of an expense which is your overhead. The whole discussion point about that is, is in your accounting function, you have to tell you know, QuickBooks or you have to tell Successware or uh, Aptura, what type of an expense account is it? So it can be overhead related or it can be cost of goods sold related. So we're gonna refer to this as COGS. So what we have here is we have direct labor, that's the field, production, labor only. We have allocated fringe benefits, that's the benefits so health insurance, uh, workers' comp, uh, if you have a dental plan, uh, if you have, obviously you pay FICA, FUTA, pseudo taxes, all those taxes, anything that 
goes directly to the attachment of payroll. Also, if you have profit sharing or a 401k, those are part of your costs associated with direct labor. So these allocated fringe benefits apply directly to the labor only. So the tricky part about that is when you start looking at the numbers out here, that number is representative of a relationship with direct labor. But when we divide it out, we're going to be dividing everything by sales. So a lot of times you see a big number attached to this allocated fringe benefit attached to $1 of labor. And you think, well, in my company, uh, we're 30% allocated fringe benefits against every labor dollar. So if I spend one labor dollar, I spend 30 cents on taxes and you know, a benefit program. So that's fine. So that's a 30% relationship right here. But out here, demand service, whatever labor dollar I have, it will be 30% against the labor dollar. But that number gets divided by the sales of demand service, so it gets smaller. This confuses people a lot of times. They get, well, my allocated fringe benefits are only 3%. Well, really, they're 3% of your sales, but really it's 30% in my company of the labor. So we want to make sure we understand the relationship here of fringe benefits is a relationship with labor and not really a relationship with sales. Think of it this way. If I raised my price $10 here and I went to 120, does the allocated fringe benefit change? Does the labor change? And the answer is no, they don't. But as a percentage, they would go down, but that's because it's dividing by sales. But the reality is the dollars are the same. Third uh, area down here is equipment. I think everybody knows what equipment is. Materials, pretty simple. Subcontracts, permits, all relatively consistent. I don't think anybody should have any big questions about that. Where we get into some discussion points right here, rebates, promotions, consumer promotions. So uh, I really want to spend just a little bit of time right here because this whole summer and COVID-19 is raising the question, what am I going to do in my marketing plan going into the summer season, knowing that I might have missed some installation opportunities? You know, and there are still customers out there that are going to be nervous potentially about us and being in the home or you know, doing service or just generally speaking, you know, how do I leverage the idea that I might need to have a promotion in the summer where I didn't normally have the need for a promotion in the summer? Normally, we would say, no, it's peak season. So in this situation, I think it's worthy of us to sit down and really think about a strategy and ask that question. So uh, we are creating a promotion in our world. We are attacking the marketplace and saying, um, we're going to expect that a lot of customers aren't going to necessarily be that excited about having us as a crew uh, either do a plumbing change, you know, a sewer dig, or you know, doing a new installation, whether that's uh, heating, air conditioning. It doesn't matter what it is. So we're going to create a promotion, and we're going to advertise that. So normally, in the optimization part of the summer season, I would say, no, we're not doing that. But now, you might have to go back in and visit your budget. You might have to go back into your numbers. You might have to go back into the pricing, and the, the, the change that you make there is, well, you would normally have lots of jobs that you would have been recovering gross profit dollars that you didn't have to pay the expense for financing or potentially for a promotion. And now I'm suggesting, well, maybe you need to revisit that. So if you're going to do 200 jobs you know, through the summer, and there used to be zero you know, promotional dollars, and now maybe 50 of those contain promotional dollars, and let's just call it $500 as promotion costs, just making that number up. Well, that's 
That's 50 jobs times $500. So you got $25,000 now that you're spending that you weren't spending before. So you might have to revisit your pricing. But I like the idea of at least investigating that in your company because if you don't need the promotion, you don't spend the money, it's not going to harm you. But if you go into the marketplace without a promotion and it doesn't generate, you, you don't generate the opportunities, then we're also digging this hole for overhead that we talked about at the opening of the video. We're, we're going to have expenses that relate you know, to rent. We're going to have expenses that relate to vehicles. Those fixed costs are sitting there. So it's critical that you actually do have a great summer and that you optimize. So I like the hip pocket deal of having the promotion. Uh, in our case, we're going to advertise it and we're going to go after it and we're going to basically tell people, hey, we get it. It's our version of you know, a way to help the community. So make sure you understand that financing, rebates, and promotional costs need to be revisited and looked at. They also need to be in your chart of accounts here. Um, the last four or five months, I've had some good free time, so a lot of people have sent me their statements just giving some feedback. These accounts are missing in a lot of statements. Um, you're putting it as an expense, and it's getting put into areas like equipment, and it doesn't belong in equipment. A promotional expense and a financing cost and things like rebates. Uh, I know some of the major suppliers, uh, such as Carrier, Train, Lennox, York, JCI, they are out with rebates and promotions, and they're doing something to support the transactions. Well, you might have a cost associated with that. Maybe you don't, but probably you do. You got to be able to put your debits and credits in the right spot. So let's make sure that we have these accounts set up. They belong in cost of goods sold. They do not belong as a credit. All right, freight, that's potential for a, a chart of account. Sales commissions, all my salespeople love to get paid. The technicians that sell, they love to get paid. So you got to be tracking that. Warranty expense, that's my exposure to the warranty expense. So if I install something and there's a callback or there's a warranty problem, I own the relationship with that. Even though the part's covered, I'm going to pay the technician. Then we have extended warranties. So this is another one that is in purple. It's generally one of those questions that the accounting function says, um, well, but the equipment supplier sends me the bill. And that's true, but you don't dump it in equipment. Equipment cost and the KPIs are fixed based on the idea that it's equipment only. The extended warranty could be purchased third party. You may not be buying that from your distributor or your manufacturer now. You might be buying it from somebody like JB Associates, or you may even be underwriting it yourself. Either way, the extended warranty is a cost that's associated with a sale. So we don't necessarily give it on every single transaction, but it could be offered. And uh, depending on your company strategy of how, how you're approaching your sales, uh, your pricing, your bundling, um, how you're marketing that, you may have a cost associated with this. So it's important to recognize that you have that bucket in your chart of accounts and that you segment so that in change out or if you're doing an extended warranty on plumbing, if you're buying it and you have to write that check, the accounting function knows where to actually put the debits so that we're tracking that information. Why this is important is uh, the second layer, I guess, is uh, later you know, we're, we're not that far away from really starting the budgeting process for 2021. I know it sounds a little crazy to say that, uh, but by the time you're watching this video, we're probably halfway through the year and we're looking at planning in November. So you're really only three months away from looking at the next year's planning cycle. So this helps us gauge the costs so that when we look at our pricing strategy for 2021, uh, we understand how to actually produce the right kind of cost model 
so that we were, our sale prices are set correctly. Uh, so sales here, net sales minus cost of goods sold. Uh, I'm just going to put a number in here, just making it up for simple math. Let's put uh, $60 in here. So that's the bucket. We know our bucket here is 100. That's going to give us a gross profit of $40. It's just simply net sales minus the total of cost of goods sold equals $40. Every one of these departments will have a breakdown, and we will have a line item in each one of these gross profit areas. And that is precisely the very nature of phase one departmentalization. Phase two departmentalization, or what we call segmentation, is breaking down the overhead. So if we had an overhead number in the company, a total overhead bucket here of $30, and that was the number, we would have a profit, earnings before interest and taxes, what we call EBIT. That's the operating profit. So we still owe taxes. We might still owe some interest on a note. Uh, that could be any notes that you might have on your vehicles or any type of um, uh, notes payable from a line of credit or those types of things. So you still may have some expenses down here, what we call other expense, other income. And then down here would be net. This number right here is the number we need to be at least 20. So this company is a good company. It's not a great company. Uh, I would say that you know it's performing okay. Uh, and in an environment like coming out of COVID, if this was the number, I think I'd be pretty happy at the moment. So as we look at that, you would ask yourself the question, in a non-departmental company right here, wh what are these departments doing to produce any of these numbers. And this is the genesis of you know, the argument for departmentalization. You can say the company's doing well, but you can't say where it's not doing well, nor can you say where one area might be doing exceptional. And so if we look at things like KPIs, why do we want KPIs? So we can investigate how to improve any given area, no matter where it is, in order to improve this area down here. How do you get 10 to 20? And if you looked at this statement right here, which would be a total company statement, there's really no clear or concise way to make a judgment on that. I, I can't just look at my service manager. I can't look at my sales group. can't look at my marketing plan and say, nobody is really performing that well. Everybody is performing poorly. Everybody's performing great. No, I, I just I can't make any of those assessments. So the second layer of that becomes pricing. I mean, how do you determine what your pricing is if you don't actually understand what your costs are. So there are two fundamental rules in pricing that we need to be talking about right now. Number one is you need to know your costs and know your numbers inside of your company, period, the end. If anybody wants to debate that, you probably shouldn't own a company, okay? Number two, the market value is how we actually create the artistic price not the cost-based price. So for example, if I could sell an air conditioner, cost-wise, if it cost me $5,000 in break-even costs, which would be overhead plus the cost of goods sold, this plus this, so this is COGS plus the overhead is gonna give me a break-even number and it's five grand, and I sell it for 7,000, I'm plus $2,000 inside of that profitability matrix. And you say, okay, great. Uh, but what could you sell it for? So if I told you that that came with a lifetime unit replacement guarantee, uh, a 20 year parts and labor warranty, and you know it cooked dinner, walked the dog, 
Uh, it actually, um, you know, uh, can repair uh, plumbing fixtures for you. I mean, it, uh, it'll take your kids to school when we go back to school. If it did all those things, there's a value proposition here that says that $7,000 might be too cheap. So the artistic portion of that is, well, what will the market pay you? So let's make believe for just a second that the market will pay us, you know, $10,000 for that really cool thing that, you know, takes the kids to school, babysits for us, and so forth. So the profit on that job, because I'm pricing to market, what the market will bear, what the value proposition is, is, is a $5,000 profit. Now, arguably, uh, you know, there's a lot of drama in that example, but the, the basic point is you can't be pricing below your profit targets, and you should price based on market conditions. I, my argument here is pretty simple. If our pricing is set up, it can, we can do this once we're departmental. But once I have a departmental statement, truly understand my costs, this gives me great leverage, great power of discernment, decision making, to say that I'm, I'm worth more. I, I know my cost is five grand on this job, but I also know that I'm worth more than 7,000. I'm, I'm worth 10,000 or more. So when the summer is out there, uh, or as we even roll into the winter months, uh, so for the northern markets, you might be able to sell at a higher price point. So you have to be thinking about that. And that gets right back to the idea of why I think you need a promotion for your summertime, or at least consider it. Uh, you know, if you're rocking and your business is going fantastic, that's great. So last night, I had dinner with a friend of mine here in Colorado Springs, and uh, his business uh, was uh, struggling in the early parts of the COVID crisis. And uh, now it's come out of it and, uh, you know, all jobs, all days are sold, um, things are going well, lots of cash flow, really in a, a much better position, you know, 60 or 90 days later from when the start was. And so we were talking about that. It's like, uh, well, what do you want to do? You, do you want to expand? Do you want to grow into other markets? Uh, do you just want to harvest the profit? Like, what's, what's your interest? What are you doing? And so we had a nice conversation about if you've already sold all of your days for the months, uh, this month and the next month, you're already scheduled. You, you might want to be considering the idea that your pricing model, it might be a little too low. It's not a bad thing to ask that question. So I want you to be organized on two levels. I want you to have your cost structures down so you know where to price, you know what your costs and break even are. And there's no way to know break even without knowing what the overhead is. So in this company, we don't have any information in the change out department, nothing in the plumbing, nothing in the indoor air quality, nothing in like commercial. There's no way that we could look at break even in those quadrants or segments because we just don't have the data. So your pricing here is a guess. You're literally making some judgments. And so I would argue that that's intuition. That's 50% of the battle, but it's not the other 50%, which is the analytics. So get departmental, okay? There's also the idea that once you're departmental, you can assign goals to those areas, those people that are managing those departments. So if you have a service manager uh, and the company has the ability to look at that maintenance department separately, maybe the, maybe the service manager manages demand service and manages maintenance. Perhaps they also manage indoor air quality and accessory sales through service tech selling. Uh, again, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just giving you an example. If that's the case, I could assign targets to the service manager and pay compensation bonuses here, compensation and accountability for the KPIs for three departments. 
And so there would be great clarity at the service manager's level about their interests, how they were going to operate, what kinds of processes do you need to work on. So the question would be, well, can you train better? Can you improve the skills of the men? Can you improve the closure rates? Can you improve the pricing, the average ticket? Um, I just answered a ask the expert question about uh, maintenance visits. How do I improve the, uh, the uh, sale of changeouts you know, on a maintenance ticket? And so one of the questions that I asked back uh, before I gave a prescription or you know, a diagnosis of ideas is, well, you know, how are you viewing the maintenance department? You know? And also analytically, how, at what point do you feel that a maintenance customer, somebody that's got a system that's operating well, it's not, it's not a demand service repair, and we're just doing maintenance calls. You know, so we draw a line in our world at 10 years. Basically, we call it the over 10 program. It's posted on the site. So any over 10 piece of equipment is an opportunity no matter what. So we would count that as a metric. That becomes a KPI for our company. Why? Well, because we don't want to count a four-year-old system that we just put in that's already under, it's still under warranty. How do you talk to a customer about changing that out? I mean, it would be an awkward conversation at best, and it would feel probably stressed and pressured to the consumer. Not going to do that. Uh, once it's out of warranty, though, and it's 10 years old, it's reached probably two-thirds of its life cycle, maybe a little farther, depending on which market. If you're in Florida, it's probably reached its life cycle. So we can have that conversation. We can say, we're going to count that as an opportunity. So this is how we use KPIs. And then we would ask the question, well, what kind of deal would we want to give to an existing customer? We want to give the customers that are doing business with us a deal. So we're going to create promotions. We might create an extended warranty. Uh, we might throw some extra commission dollars at the maintenance sector. So there's a variety of answers to that question. But it all starts in the foundation of what is the maintenance uh, business numbers, like what's going on there for you? How, how are you doing? Like, I want to improve. How do I get better? So there was another question I asked is, well, I don't know how to tell you to get better until I know where you are. So tell me a little bit about what your numbers look like. Um, unfortunately, the answer is we're not departmentalized. We, we're not tracking. We don't know. So when you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So this is a discussion about making sure that you have your analytics in position so that it's not a question that can't be answered. In fact, you know those numbers well enough that you could say, I'm performing very well, or I'm, I'm, maybe I, there's room for improvement. So again, back to the original question, how do I make this a 20? And uh, we don't know. But if we're going to look for that to be a 20, we've got to improve it. And we're going to improve it by either reducing costs here or here, or improving the revenue position without increasing costs. Both of those are fine strategies. I don't love them or hate them. They're just strategies, and there's no answer to that question, uh, either independently uh, raising prices, raising margin, GP, or lowering cost without having the data to prove the other side of the argument. So uh, I could be right, or I could be in a position where that's not necessarily a good idea. The data proves everything out. So when we start talking about analytics, we start asking the question, do we have analytics? And we know equipment's here. We want seven to nine here. We want that to be one or less. One, one, two, uh, probably no freight in my world, uh, four to 6%. Warranty expense, one, and extended warranties, two. So there's your KPIs for your change out division. So we literally 
could put together a cost of goods sold number. So you would say, well, that's 12, uh, 37, we'll go with seven. So 44, 45, 46, 47, 49, we'll go with six here. So 55 and three, we'll go with 58 total. So our total cost of goods sold, uh, let's use a red marker here so we can see it on the video. And that would leave this to be 42. And so there would be a dollar amount of $42 for every $100 of sales in this category right here. Arguably, I would be okay with that. Dep again, depends. Depends on where my pricing strategy was to begin with. If I was targeting 50 here, that's not a good performance based on my targets. If I was targeting 38, I'm actually overperforming. So this is why we do a budget. This is why we do a plan. This is why we organize our pricing based on some of those estimates. So back to the original video's content question. How do I optimize my summer and create that best cash flow position by selling the most amount of jobs, basically selling all my days that I have available and producing the maximum or optimized amount of cash flow from that? And so we come back to this set of principles. Your current position should be viewed, where are we? Where is my company positioned relative to its KPIs? I had a budget, I established performance, my numbers are going to scream at me that I'm doing well or poorly. If this was the number, if 38 was the number and 42 ends up being where we are, my job here is not to worry about raising price. My job here is to create more opportunities for leads, which would bring me back to my conversation about closure rates being higher, a marketing plan that created more leads. You're, we are now in a direction where the numbers have given us clarity about what we need to do operationally. So remember, the numbers are designed to give you insights. They're designed to say to you what operational practices you need to influence to get better. And then you can say, well, my pricing is set correctly. Uh, I just need to look at the goals and how do I improve my actual transactions. Again, I talked about a marketing plan, more lead generation possibly more lead turnovers from the service department, maybe stronger incentives at the maintenance, but maybe better training. Uh, you know, call Wally, call Drew and Russ, get some sales training, get better closure rates, and then absolutely tie bonuses and compensation to that. So it doesn't guarantee success. There is no such thing. But it, what it does is it gives you better information to make decisions. And that's really the nature of, the, of what we're talking about here. So what I really want to make sure you understand from this discussion is we got to have a segmented departmental statement. We need to understand where we're going with that. Now, phase two of departmentalization, and I'm going to wrap this up relatively quickly, is we have overhead. We have five categories of overhead that we've established. Marketing, employee related, the plant and equipment, which is going to be you know, things like our physical rent, facilities, uh, building maintenance, those types of things. Uh, vehicle related, which is going to include all the insurance, the gasoline. And so what's important is to recognize that QuickBooks comes organized sort of in alphabetical order from a chart of accounts point of view. It doesn't order you know, your insurance for your vehicles under your vehicle related. Insurance is I, and it just shows up with, you know, at, in the position after, you know, the, the letter of the alphabet. So that's no way to actually establish your business model. So you want to group your accounts in marketing, uh, employee related, plant and equipment, vehicle related, admin, and you have a total. 
So this is just a fake example, but you know, at the end of the day, we would look at that and say, you know, sort of 3% in this category, uh, 13 to 15 in this category, uh, somewhere around three to five in the uh, plant and equipment. Uh, vehicle related is around 4%, maybe 5%, depends on whether you're leasing, and admin is three or less. So these become your KPIs and you say, well, three and 13 is you know, 16, 19, 23, 26, and that's true. This really should be somewhere between 27 and, uh, and 30%. Uh, arguably, uh, that's a pretty good set of numbers. So if we were 42 and 27, we would be uh, pumping out a 15% EBIT in that given area. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying that's the fake example that I'm using given the KPIs. So I like that number to be higher, okay? And here is the, another discussion point. We have to remember that when I increase the number of transactions here, I'm going to be maximizing my capacity, which means I'm going to have more jobs producing more 42s. So this number is going up. But there are fixed and variable expenses in here. When I optimize and I sell all my days, at some point, these numbers will no longer be going up because they are fixed. This number will always track with labor. So this, as a percentage and a dollar amount, will begin to uh, fall. So the fixed numbers will stay where they are. The variable numbers will move up as I sell more jobs. This number profitable will go up because this is staying the same and I'm only incurring these costs. So that's part of how you drive a 15% company to 20, is you optimize your capacity, you sell jobs, and don't lose days. Because every day that you don't sell, you are spending money on your fixed costs. Rent is rent. So an average rent per day exists. If I sell this job, I've covered the sins of the rent. If I sell two jobs that day, I only, I only had to pay the rent one time that day, so therefore I'm optimizing. So when we start looking at this discussion here, the question of optimizing the number of jobs in a particular time frame, like a 30-day, 60-day, or summer, that's why I think coming out of COVID, you might want to have a strategy for promotions. If you can get more jobs on the board and you can produce more gross profit dollars, and you know that you're only going to incur more variable expenses, the fixed numbers are where they are, you can definitely catch back up from some of the days that you didn't sell, and you might even be able to pass over that and optimize your profitability. So I need you to be thinking about breaking down your cost of goods sold, getting your GP line item, and then phase two, which is on the site, lots of details about how to allocate the overhead, how to break it down, uh, don't want to do that today on this video because that gets a little bit more complicated and it's probably about an hour's conversation. But you want to break down your overhead as well. So each one of these areas has total clarity and visibility on how we're producing a profit. So let's go back in studio. All right, back in studio. So it's tough to make numbers uh, fun and interesting if you're not a numbers person. But I'll say this. Uh, most of the people that I know that own businesses, they are getting excited about the idea of producing a 20% profit. So get focused on that if that's what gets your juices flowing. What I need you to do is understand that uh, segmenting your income statement, getting your chart of accounts set up is work and it needs to be done. 
And even if it's mid-year, it still needs to be done. Don't care. It's a process that needs to happen. Second, when you start putting your debits and credits in, you start seeing your numbers. Measure that against your KPIs. Go back to section four of the best practices library. Grab the KPI charts. Make sure each month you're doing a review with your management team on where your company is and where you can improve. Asking the questions about how do I become better at operations to produce a better set of numbers. Number three, optimize your pricing. Your pricing is key. So uh, strategy for pricing, strategy for promotions, look at your marketing plan, determine whether or not you want a promotional strategy within the framework of your existing summer, even though normally it wouldn't necessarily be the appropriate thing to do. I think it's worthy of a discussion. I'm not saying to do it. Uh, we are taking that tack, but I know others are not, and that's okay. But we're trying to optimize and produce as many transactions as possible, and uh, we're willing to pay the overtime, even though we're really uh, sort of rocking busy right now. We're, we would be happy to add crews and add more GP dollars, knowing that our fixed overhead is not changing. So we would be optimizing our profitability and our cash flow. And that last component of that is, you know, set some goals, create some accountability, get people organized, get their compensation tied to their performance metrics, and, uh, and train them and get them and hold them accountable for that. So as always, we appreciate the time. Uh, there's a lot of content in that video, a lot of detail. Uh, sometimes that's tough to, uh, to watch a video like this on, you know, when you're doing a lot of numbers and we're talking about a lot of specific items. Uh, those of you that are analytical are probably saying it wasn't analytical enough. Those that aren't analytical are probably saying, hey, wait a minute, that's too much. Uh, so remember, you can send questions to us through Ask the Expert. Uh, happy to take a look at your income statements. Happy to take a look at anything that you've got going on, uh, give you some insights. Uh, be prepared for that. Happy to help out. So uh, the second thing is we're, we've got uh, our Contractor Connect down on Facebook. And uh, so you can you know, ask and answer questions through that portal as well. Uh, any direction that you want to take is fine. We appreciate the fact that you're a Contracting University member, and uh, we're happy to be able to serve you. So good luck. Remember, optimize and understand exactly what you need to do in order to create a strategy to optimize your cash flow for summer. Best of luck. I hope you, have, I hope you rock the world. Take care. Awesome content right there, as always, from our Seizing the Summer series. Now listen, if you like the content and you're not a member, you can get full access to the series right now. All you got to do is fill out the form on this page. This is powerful content that you can implement all summer long to maximize your profits and get ready for the dreaded slow season this fall. Well, that's it for today, folks. We'll see you again very soon. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.